Welcome to I'm in my 20s, your favorite go-to podcast for candid, introspective, and inspiring conversations to help you make the best of your 20s. My name is Meg, and let's begin. Instead of trying to solve your life puzzle, what you really need to do is find that single piece that connects the sections together. Hey guys, welcome to the last episode of season three. We have made it to episode 36 and I think I'm going to go buy a cake and celebrate today. I'm in a very good mood today, guys. A lot of great things are happening and I, I'm just in a really great mood. But anyways, today we are ending off this season with a bang. I've invited a very special and very incredible guest onto my podcast. His name is Sam Thiara. Now he is a published author, a coach, an educator, a speaker, and he is overall an incredible mentor for many, many, many 20-something year olds. An incredible mentor for anybody in life, to be honest. And he has dedicated a lot of his work to helping us in our young ages realize and actualize our full self-potential and really figure out who we are, the who, and as well as our why. And so this is what our conversation today really centered around. It was a very candid conversation looping into many, many deep topics that 20-somethings should be thinking about. We covered many, many things such as how to set intentions versus goals, how to build self-awareness, finding your who, who you should surround yourself with, building your own group of champions and enablers, preparing for inevitable rejections in life, how to deal with the crossroads of making huge decisions in your 20s. That is just the surface of all the incredible value that was given in this talk today. So you guys are definitely going to love this conversation because honestly, Sam has given us so many incredible analogies and quotes. And when I replayed it, I was like, wow, I'm going to write down some of these quotes and stick them to my wall. So that's how great this conversation is. And so without me babbling any longer, hope you guys enjoy and uh, get started with the conversation and also stay till the end for some of my final life updates for this season. And yeah, let's begin. All right, welcome back to the podcast, guys. Today, I'm super honored to be joined by Sam, who I actually met at a keynote event at the Student Leadership Conference back when I was in, I think, second year. So Sam was the keynote and I was one of the attendees and I was super inspired by his talk. So now we've come full circle and Sam is on my podcast. So welcome to the podcast, Sam. Can you give our listeners an introduction of who you are? First, I just wanted to say thank you for the opportunity of sharing. And, uh, you know, Meg, it's just... it. A reconnection to what we get to do again. So I really appreciate that. With regards to who I am, especially for your listeners, uh, the best way for me to describe it is in these little bites. So I'm a professional and I've created a journey as a speaker and a storyteller. I'm a writer and a blogger. I do workshop facilitation. I actually love to do problem solving. I'm an educator as well as an entrepreneur. All of this allows me to engage individuals in their personal and professional development. Added to this, I've also been associated with 45 nonprofits over the last 20 years because I really want to help them become independent as opposed to dependent. And presently, I'm teaching at the BD School of Business, and I'm also the founder and chief motivating officer at Ignite the Dream Coaching and Consulting. It's a platform that engages my audience, and I want them to really define their pathway. But the key element I look forward to is a transformational practice where I've become an expert in youth career coaching with over 5,000 conversations to date. And I always say one of the most best ways for me to describe it is the signature tagline that I live by, 
Everyone's life is an autobiography. Make yours worth reading. That's in a snapshot who I am. That is incredible, Sam. Honestly, listening to your description of yourself and who you are, you're doing a lot of things that I aspire to do in my life as well. And so I want to start off with a bit of a reflective question that would relate to my podcast. So if you could give some advice to your 20-year-old self, what would you tell him? Yeah, it's a question I get asked a lot. And my simple response to that is I would tell Sam, everything's going to be okay. I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen, but everything's going to be okay. I, I think we put so much worry and emphasis, but I would also say, Sam, learn who you are because the what you're going to do will emerge. Like, don't just go for what you're going to do. Learn who you are at this point in time. Mm, I like that. I think at this age, I can speak for myself and other 20-somethings. We're very focused on the what. A lot of our questions are around, what do we do for our career? Um, what's my next step? You know, what's my plan? And we don't think so much about the who. So how do you go about defining who you are as an individual? Right. But and to be fair, Meg, I think that the what comes about because we get asked a lot of questions. Meg, what's, what are you going to do at UBC? Meg, what is your career goal? So it, it's asked. And then we're, we have to respond. When I talk about understanding who, especially I do this in my class, but also whenever I talk to people one-on-one, -on -one, understanding who you are, uh, the way I describe it is that there's this horizon that you're going towards, except it's really not your horizon. It's painted by the people around you telling you what to do because you're not capable or able to grasp what you want to do. But I always say once you figure out the horizon within the who, you can then venture off to this horizon that is yours. And a way that we come up with this understanding of who you are, and there's a number of ways and tools, there's a free 16 personalities test online. It's the Myers-Briggs test. What I appreciate about it is, number one, it's free, so it's accessible. It's not the official Myers-Briggs, but it does a really good job. And whatever letters you get, you then pump it into Google and what you're going to get are your strengths and weaknesses, uh, some of the really key elements. Now, it may resonate. It may not resonate. But the idea is it's going to provide you a base. One of the most important ways that I can do the uh, help people discover the who is what I call the five core elements. And the five core elements is something I came up with. But it was actually really to help me first. And then it was like it's helped hundreds of people. The idea is, what are the five things that make up your foundation? And I'm not talking about career. I'm talking about life and career. What are the five things that you are not willing to compromise? And now at a 20-year-old, it may be a bit difficult to nail it down at this point, but, there, but it, is, it is possible. So for me, the five things that guide and direct me in life, servant leadership, story sharing, activator igniter, champion enabler, community do-gooder. And I can articulate each and every one of them and why they're important to me. Now think of it this way. If you want to build a house, you need to build a, a solid foundation. To build a life, you need to have a solid foundation. By doing the five core elements as an individual at 20, 
you're starting to build this foundation because as opportunities, and this is the right time to do it when you're in your 20s, because when opportunity emerges, you now have the uh, capacity and capabilities to match it up to the five core elements to say, mm. how does it line up or not? Mm-hmm. Now, there is a fear because 20-year-olds or even the senior people I talk to, they worry about, am I picking the right words? And I said, it doesn't matter what words you pick, as long as you have your five, there's a point to work from. And they're going to change over time. You're not married to these for the rest of your life. These will change over time. So don't worry about that. And then people said, okay, but how do I come up with these five? The key thing is the word why. So I would say, Meg, what courses did you do in university that you really enjoyed? Why? Did you enjoy those courses? What courses did you not like? Why? Uh, If you've had a job, what jobs have you done? What did you like about it, not like about it? What do you do on your spare time? And you, you start pulling these ideas and thoughts. And now you're going to start building your foundation. And that's where now you have something that you can compare it against. And I'll, I'll uh, end on this note on, on this topic with this idea that when I do this, there are times where people say, the most important thing to me is family. I'm like, okay, let's look at that word family. Why is family important? And oftentimes they'll say, because what it enables me to do is remain connected. And I really value those relationships with family, my ex- nuclear family, but also the extended family. And I said, okay, but let's, let's look at it. Instead of family, is it connections and relationships? And they're like, exactly. And I said, okay, so instead, let's pull a family to the side And now it becomes relationships and connections that becomes more mainstream than just the intricate word of family. But this is a way that you can really work towards really understanding who you are, as opposed to then later on understanding what you're going to do. Mm, That really resonates. First of all, the personality test, I also found I took the Myers-Briggs as well as the Enneagram test. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that one was one you recommend as well. But um, after taking that, I had a lot of understanding about, okay, this is why I think differently than these people. And this is why I feel like disconnect from certain people and connected with others. And it made me feel a lot more empathy towards myself as well as other people, knowing that we all kind of have different thinking processes. And a lot of it is built in, you know, the experiences we had growing up and all of that. So it built so much empathy and just made arguments a lot less common I guess between me and people around me which is really great and I also love the point you said about asking why I remember doing this exercise in the youth workshop one time where we had a problem and we just asked why five times just Mm -hmm. to get to the root of it and the more you ask the harder it is to get to the bottom right and I think self-awareness is something that is very important at our age as well and you know, in a world where everything is so busy and there's so many like distractions coming at us and things that are like, oh, you have to do this and do this. There's not much time for us to like sit still and ask why. So what kind of uh, advice would you give to us who are Mm -hmm. having like living such busy lives and want some time to actually reflect? Yeah, Uh, there's a couple of things I would suggest is number one, journaling. And people don't journal. And again, I'm not just 20 year olds for sure. But I've got senior people in organizations who have never journaled. And the reason I say journaling is so important, we've had tremendous experiences, but we've never captured them. And Mm. 
So what happens is you go to that interview and someone says, well, Meg, tell me about a time when you worked as part of a team. Now you're going to look up to the ceiling because maybe that's where the answer is, or you're going to try to think of just some example. But if you've journaled, well, wait a minute, there was a time when I was on a, a academic group project or team, and we went through this uh, detailed process, And but by journaling it, now you're breaking it down of how you did this. So journaling for sure is one way that you can, you can capture it. The other part that I say is uh, finding an outlet, something totally unrelated to where you are, uh, what you're doing and career related. For me, it's woodworking. I can do woodworking for three, four hours. And some of my ideas have emerged because of the woodworking, because my mind is now clear. I'm <clears throat> sandpapering and working on wood and thinking about you know, different ideas. And I usually keep a, either a notepad next to me or my cell phone. It's from the time when you quiet your mind, whether for some people it may be yoga, some people it may be hikes in the wood. For me, it's woodworking mm. or it could be painting. But when your mind starts flowing, that's when there's a release of this key elements that help define and uh, help you to calm your mind down. A lot of my really cool ideas, like, um, for example, the latest book I wrote about my journey to India, the title came while I was driving, listening to uh, Mozart. And all of a sudden, the title just came into my mind. I had to pull right over the side of the road and quickly put it into my phone before I lost it. But it was because I was driving and listening to Mozart and thinking about my book. It just allowed me to clear my thoughts. That's really great advice. Um, I find that I relate to that a lot. A lot of my greatest ideas come in the most random, spontaneous moments, like when I'm staying up and suddenly this idea just pops into my head out of nowhere. And I'm like, Eureka, this is it. And I just take out a notebook and write it down. And I think having that open-mindedness to those moments is really important. And when we can kind of sit still with our thoughts, we can welcome more mm -hmm. of those ideas in, right? Mm -hmm. And so another question I want to ask is, um, I'm also someone who has a lot of ideas and a lot of 20-somethings I know now, we are pulled in many directions, you know, mm -hmm. bit of shiny object syndrome, so many opportunities out there, so many ways to go. So what advice would you have for us in terms of choosing a direction or choosing, you know, what to focus on? Okay. Actually, it, it relates to a, a idea that I usually talk about goals versus intentions. Hmm. And oftentimes society says you must have goals. Okay. I don't have goals. And people look at me going like, oh my gosh, you're aimless. And I said, no, no, I'm not aimless. I have those five core elements. Instead, I live in the world of intentions. So part of it and related to what you're saying is the idea that goals are very linear and you think of it this way. You have a goal set and an opportunity emerges. Do you give up the opportunity or do you give up the goal? It's very absolute. Instead, when an opportunity emerges, I compare it to those five core elements and I say, wait, does it hit five out of five? And a perfect example is my writing. When writing emerged seven years ago, I, I never even saw it coming from anywhere. But now writing mm -hmm. emerged. And instead of that goal piece, I looked at it and said, well, actually, it hits five out of five. I have to do this. Mm -hmm. Now, presently, I'm working on 12 projects simultaneously. But wow. all 12 hit 
five out of five. Now, they're not also isolated and differentiated from each other. They layer into each other. When you have these opportunities that emerge in front of you, you have to ask yourself, uh, how does it connect to me? Like, in other words, the randomness sometimes can distract you from the pathway that you need to be on. So you have to ask yourself, and that's where the more foundational piece you do, it clarifies. And I've had situations where an opportunity has emerged, and I looked at it and said, actually, no, I'm not the right person. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, I had an opportunity. It was a paid opportunity uh, to speak, and it was based on delivering a lecture on strata councils. And they basically said, we'll give you the content and the material. And, you know, all you have to do is just deliver the content. And I looked at it going, you know, I don't know anything about stratas. I'm not, I, I don't work from scripts. So I know that I don't mm. do scripts. I don't, I know that I'm not comfortable with strata. They were like, oh no, but all you have to do is just present it. And I'm like, but it's not, it's going to feel very transactional. And it's not something that I'm comfortable with. So I think what you have to sometimes make are trade-offs and choices. And instead of living in the world of what did I just give up? Think of it as what have I just gained by not even doing it? You know, Mm. I'm now able to concentrate even more on this. And the last thing I'm, I'm just going to share with you as well. And I've, and I've shared this with a lot of people and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is so helpful. Oftentimes, there's a, a, an opportunity that emerges. And again, we deal in absolutes. Yes, I can. And then we overwhelm ourselves. No, I can't. And all of a sudden, now you're feeling you're letting people down. Mm-hmm. Instead of having them own it, when someone asks me, can you do this? I always respond back with, here's what I can do. I own it now because I'm saying, if you, if you want me to be a part of this, here's what I can do. So, for example, I've been asked to join a, a board on a nonprofit. And I went back to them and I said, you know, it's a challenge. Here's what I can do. I can, if you have a board of advisors, I can join that and I'll be on your board of advisors. And they're like, okay, actually, that's, that's great. We get you for a board of advisors. But I've now owned it. So I think for your audience, instead of the yes and no as well, how about instead you say, here's what I can do, but be sure that you deliver on what you say you can do. Right. Mm-hmm. Everything you talked about reminds me of the Pareto principle. It's mm-hmm. kind of choosing to do the 20% of things that would give you 80% of the outcome. And especially the concept of saying no to things and the opportunity cost that comes with saying yes to way too many things mm-hmm. that resonates with me a lot and resonates with like so many of my friends because a lot of us go through burnout mm-hmm. doing like, you know, 10 different things and we only give, you know, 40% of our effort to these 10, whereas we could be giving 100% to our top three, right? So mm-hmm. I love that tip about um, prioritization and saying no as well. How do you go about like, it, for example, if I'm in a position where I don't exactly know like what my core values are yet, and I'm presented with so many opportunities, and I'm kind of taking the approach of like, oh, what if I try something and then uh, maybe that'll help me discover my core value or you know, I just want to try things at this age because in our 20s, we don't know ourselves so well yet. So what are your thoughts on that approach? Yeah, I mean, again, I think what's really important is uh, you to definitely try it. But um, again, I've, I've always said, or, or when I've encountered people, they say, you know, I 
spent two years in engineering. It was a waste of time. Uh, business is where I needed to be. And I said, okay, so when you were in engineering, you basically learned nothing. And they're like, well, no, no, I learned a lot. I said, okay, so let's not look at it from the standpoint of what I've lost. But how does engineering incorporate into like your mindset that you are going to move forward in when it comes to uh, moving forward? I also think in, in regards to when we're looking at, um, you know, the direction, it's, I would say there's enough people out there telling you what to do. The important thing is to find the champions and enablers. Those are the people who aren't going to tell you what to do, but they're going to ask you, so tell me about the experience. Tell me about what's important to you. Why is it important to you? They're the ones that are going to inquire. Uh, for example, I get a lot of people coming to me. I do about three to eight mentorship conversations a week. And many of them are coming to me because they see me as this orange saffron bearded man on top of a mountain <laughs> who's going to tell them exactly. Like They want me to tell them what to do. I've had people ask me, I want to start a business. Sam, what business should I start? I'm like, if I knew that, would I not be doing that myself? I call myself the difficult monk. In other words, you come to me looking for the answers, but all I'm going to do is reverse back and ask you a lot of questions because the monk that you seek is, is within you. I just need to ask these questions. And I think that it's really important to find that trusted two or three people that are there as advisors to you. Create your own board of advisors for you personally. Mm. The people who are not going to tell you what to do, but instead will open up their channels, will uh, offer suggestions, but it's it's suggestions and it's insight, not advice. Yeah, I think that relates to the concept of having trust in mm -hmm. oneself. I actually just watched this YouTube video um, right before hopping on this call with you earlier about um, in your 20s, you really have to learn how to establish trust in yourself and stop taking advice from mm -hmm. everybody at face value and just listening to whatever people tell you. So how does one go about developing trust in oneself? Right. Well, and it, it, it's also the fact that the other part of it that related to what you're saying about uh, how do you build trust in yourself uh, is oftentimes people say, yeah, but what do I do when someone's telling me something? And I'm, and I always say, you know, be respectful. You can hear them, but you don't have to listen to them. And I think that's an important way that you're acknowledging that, you know, that person is talking to me, building that trust within yourself. I call it your presence. Mm -hmm. And the idea is what you really want to do is build this presence and confidence within yourself, not cockiness, but a confidence within yourself to say that, yeah, you know what? I am good at this. And I know that it can be difficult because at times, you know, society doesn't want us to be bragging or society doesn't want us to be show offish, but there's nothing wrong with saying I am. We, people can tell me what they're not good at easily, but they're reluctant right. to tell me what they're good at. And I will always say, like, if you want me to do finance and accounting or technology, I am the wrong person here. <laughs> but if it's about personal development, it's about leadership, it's about storytelling. Oh, yeah, no, I'm. those are areas that I'm comfortable and confident in. I may not be the best, but I'm comfortable and confident enough. Uh, so I've been able to understand the grounding that I have and what's important. But going back to the 20-year-old, and I get it. I mean, you're starting to 
field out to say, okay, what about this? What about that? I think you really need to capture and be very self-reflective. I did a TEDxSFU talk. It was the first one I did on personal storytelling. And I think that's one way that we can capture it is, is understanding what are your personal stories. And the way we do that in the, the talk I delivered is called discovering the extraordinary out of the ordinary. In other words, there's nothing ordinary about you. Now, there will be YouTube videos or people that will be like, oh, no, you know, this extraordinary bit, uh, you know, no, no, you are unique and extraordinary, but you may not realize it at this point. And a way that we can acknowledge that point, uh, I came up with this concept I call carpe. So curiosity, appreciation, reflection, perspective, and experience. Hmm. In other words, as an individual, go through life with curiosity and explore. Appreciation is appreciating things for more than what they are. So something that's basic and straightforward, when you look at it, you're like, well, there's something different about this and appreciating it. And then the key thing about reflection is now you start really thinking about it. You've appreciated it. So there's something here, but reflection is where you add purpose and meaning to it. And then the perspectives means we all have different perspectives. So I may have an idea about something and you may have something different as a perspective. And then the final thing is experience. Capture your story as an experience, because if you don't capture it as an experience, your story dies an untimely death. It's like moving from one place to another, but not realizing why that first place was so important. Mm. And by understanding that, it helps you to build that personal trust because you've taken the time and effort in order to start establishing what is important to me. And then once you start grounding that, whether it's the Myers-Briggs, five core elements, the carpe, you can then have a better sense and idea of, well, wait a minute, this person I think is going to offer some really great insights. And now you're more accepting of it. And the last thing I'll leave you on this point is I posted this the other day. Um, it's on my Instagram, but it was also on my Twitter that I put out is if you don't believe in yourself, how can I believe in you? You have to believe in yourself. It's simple as that. Mm -hmm. Those are some powerful words. And I think that's something that we as 20-somethings don't hear enough of because a lot of us seek a lot of external validation and attribute that to our self-worth, such as, you know, job titles, praise from professors and teachers, getting high grades. Um, but a lot of that validation, at the end of the day, it feels kind of empty after it's attained because if we don't have that core belief in ourselves and know, like, you know, are we living by our true values, then those things kind of just, like, vanish after the initial hype, right? And so... That's some really great advice mm -hmm. there. So while you're while you're sharing all that, it really resonated a lot with the way that I do my self-reflection as well, because I think that, you know, as young people, we go through so many experiences as well, right? And if we don't take the time to reflect on these experiences, then it's hard to really capture them for the real value that they can bring us. For example, like in the past, I've been through some pretty rough experiences going through a career switch. Like I went into accounting, did an internship, quickly realized it wasn't for me. And that entire year was a really rough year for me. But even though it was rough, I'd look back and 
I learned so much out of that. Like if I hadn't gone through that, I would be a completely different person and not as mm. introspective and wise and clear in my career direction as I am now. And I know a lot of 20-somethings kind of had these experiences, but they don't take the time to pause. So I think I really love the point you said about, you know, really taking the time to reflect on these experiences. So I just want to say that as well. Thank you. And if I may add, uh, I mean, I graduated from university years ago, actually before you were even born. And things haven't really changed. But when I graduated, I crossed the stage and it felt like a giant virtual door slammed behind me because everything familiar <laughs> is behind that door. Mm-hmm. And then I went and sat down. I said, OK, I guess I'm going to have to do what is expected, which is I'm going to go apply for jobs. Mm. So I, back then we used to write letters or type letters and then hand delivered or mail it. And I did about nine letters to different companies. Now, mm-hmm. here's the thing. I have a degree in business and political science and I'm like, great. Okay. Who's lucky to get me? Cause that's a really great combination. Well, two weeks later, a letter arrived and it was from one of the companies and I opened it up and it said, sorry, we don't have a job. We're not sure what you're looking for, but good luck. And I was like, Okay, but I still have eight letters out there, but I'm going to send three more out. And I sent out three more, and it almost became like tides. The more letters I sent out, the more rejections came back. And over a period of a year, I had accumulated 86 rejection letters. Oh, wow. And I still have those rejection letters. These are companies who said, we don't have a job for you. We have no idea what you're looking for. Uh, Good luck. And... The thing is, my first job after I graduated was being a janitor, mopping floors and emptying rubbish bins in a hospital. Mm. Now, again, it goes back to that aspect of I could have looked at it as a negative, but instead I said, wait a minute. So here's what I'm doing, but I know this is not going to be my career. Mm. But the thing is, there was a lot of noise around me saying you didn't need a degree to do this job. You wasted your time. But instead, I looked at it as, no, I I learned three valuable life lessons from being a janitor. That actually still carries me to today. Mm. The first lesson, my father said, I don't care what you do for a living, but you have to do the best job possible. Your reputation's on the line. At the end of every shift, there was no floor cleaner than at the end of my shift and no rubbish bin left full. The second valuable lesson, I would get on the elevator with nurses, doctors, and administrators, and I would not even be acknowledged because I'm a janitor and these people are of higher authority. Mm -hmm. I know what it feels like to be ignored, and this is why I will talk to everybody because I don't want anyone to ever feel that they are not being acknowledged. I don't care if they're a high school student to a senior executive I will talk to everyone because everybody has a story. And the third valuable lesson is I could have gone into this and looked at it as a negative, but instead I I said to myself, in this situation, what can I learn that's going to help me as I move forward? And the third lesson in all this is in anything you do, there are, no matter what it is, there are lessons that you can pull that's going to help you in the future. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is I reflect back because I still have all those letters and I look at those letters and there's two things that just, it resonates with me is the first thing is that 
many of these companies no longer exist. I outlasted these companies. And so will any of these people out here. You will outlast the companies. The second thing that's really important is if one of those letters would have materialized, my life would have gone in a different trajectory. Do you know that you and I would not be speaking here today? Years later, and I'm not going to lie. I mean, at the time, it was really difficult receiving these rejections. Mm -hmm. But I'm actually thankful for every single rejection letter I received because I'm I, I'm so happy where I am in life and what I get to do for a living. Yeah, that's incredible. I love the the approach that rejections are not negative. They're mm-hmm. just redirections in your life, right? Yeah. And when you look back, it seems like everything kind of lined up to bring you to where you are and there's nothing that you would change. And that's really awesome. But yeah. in the moment of getting these rejections, which a lot of a lot of listeners of my podcast right now, a lot of us are applying for jobs mm-hmm. and looking into opportunities and maybe facing a lot of rejections. And it's a big hit on our Mm self-worth because we feel like, oh, we worked so hard for this incredible degree at a great university and nobody wants me. (laughs) So how do we kind of internalize those lessons when we're facing so much, you know, so much hit to our self-worth? I think part of it is um, preparing yourself for the rejections. And the way that I describe it is if I was to head to downtown Vancouver for a meeting, and I listen to the radio and it says, wait, there's a stall on the Iron Workers Bridge. And then I'm like, okay, I know that I'm going to be either delayed or maybe I'll just hold off. And, you know, you're not in a tizzy or a panic. But if I was to leave the house and I'm heading to meet with you because I have to do a podcast and all of a sudden there's traffic and there's an accident on the bridge, I'm now in a panic and a tizzy. It's mm-hmm. um, preparing yourself that you are going to be rejected. You know you're going to be rejected. Now, this is why my life purpose is to help these individuals, the young people, soften that blow. In other words, I'm not going to mince my words. You will be rejected. And my favorite quote in this regard is, obstacles are the necessary bricks on your road to success. Hmm. You You are going to have these obstacles. You are going to face these rejections but they don't define you. The companies, um, it's it's interesting. I just recently got rejected from a position. And the idea was, I wasn't sure if I was going to have another teaching position. And so I applied for this one position uh, at at another institution. And they replied back to me that I wasn't qualified or that I don't meet the job requirements, even though I created the position in another organization. (laughs) But you just sort of look at it going like, okay, whatever. Um, but it is really difficult. And, I, and I've been where every single one of your listeners is going to be. Mm. I also will say that I wrote a blog post and it's called Had to Do, Have to Do, Want to Do. As soon as you graduate from university or you're out there looking for your first job, pay, benefits, corporate culture, none of this is going to matter. I just need a job. Mm. Now, five years later, what do I have to do? to get to my want to do. And this is now where I'm having conversations with those who have graduated five to 10 years Mm -hmm. about the five core elements. Let's figure out who you are. They haven't done that legwork beforehand. But for your listeners, I understand it's not going to be easy and I'm not going to make a, a rosy picture for you. But the more work you can do now to understand who you are, 
the better it's going to be. The other thing I would say that is really important is building out those relationships and not networking. I find networking the word to be transactional. Mm -hmm. Relationship building is transformational. Transformational or relationship building means it doesn't matter how much time goes by, you pick up where you left off. Yesterday, I caught up with someone I haven't talked to in six years, and it wasn't even awkward. I mean, I was sending a note to this person, Brian, on LinkedIn, and this other Brian popped up, and I'm going, oh, I haven't talked to this Brian in so long. I quickly just dashed him a note, and I said, hey, Brian, I just saw that you know your name popped up and this and that. How are you doing? And all of a sudden, awesome. he just said, Sam, we got to catch up. And we just did yesterday. Um, mm. So never feel awkward about it. But building relationships is one of the most critical parts because the, the relationships you build become your advocacy group, your ambassadors, mm -hmm. uh, people who will be like, yeah, I'm going to go to bat for you. You know, uh, you'll say, okay, you know, Sam, there's an organization I'm interested in getting into. You know, I see you're connected mm -hmm. to them. Uh, and I've helped people. I mean, I've I've had people contact me that I know, but you have to, it's also, you have to earn that. You can't just be yeah. given it. And I've had people say, you know, um, I, I, a reference, like in other words, they said, do you mind if I was, a, if you, you could be a reference? And I said, yeah. And I, I get a phone call from this, the person who's applying for the job going, what did you say? I said, well, I did your reference. They said, well, they gave me the job, but they never called any of the references. What did you say? Now, this, this person earned it, this comment from me. When that reference asked me about this person and I gave a glowing reference, the last question they asked me, which is common in reference checks, is, Sam, would you hire this person? And I replied back saying, no, I wouldn't hire this person. I'm actually, I would actually build my company around this person. Wow. Well, that's what she said after I gave her that reference because she got the job. Um, but I, but she knows that I, I meant it. I'm not going to just say this. But if I was building a company, I want her at the center point. I want to build my company around her. And she knows this. Uh, but uh, this is the type of relationships you want to build. Demonstrate to people your capacities and capabilities. But don't do it because you want something out of them. Do it because you build a relationship because it's meaningful. And as a result of it, that, you know, you're not looking for anything in return, but just a meaningful relationship. Yes. I think it's about the like energy that you approach these relationships with, because in business school, we always stress your network is your net worth. And a lot of people going around trying to build up their mm -hmm. spreadsheet of connections and mentors and keeping track of, oh, who works where and how can I you know leverage that relationship in the future? Mm -hmm. And when it's transactional, it becomes quite obvious. And I've been on both ends of that. You know, as a first year, I mm -hmm. definitely approached it that way. And now as a fifth year, people come to me with a transactional energy. And I can definitely sense that. And I 100% agree that relationships is one of the most important things that 20-something should focus on. Um, but this is also in contrast to, there's a lot of different types of life advice that we get in our mm -hmm. 20s, right? Like there's life advice saying, your 20s is your time to be alone, isolate yourself from the world and work on yourself and then come back 10 years and surprise everybody. And then there's another approach that's like, your 20s is a time to have fun, enjoy life and build relationships and all that. So what's your take on that? Mm -hmm. those two different approaches? The fact that there is no approach. Uh, whatever's comfortable for the individual is what you need to do. In other words, you guide the journey 
as it should be that's meant for you. And again, this is where uh, I always look at it as a spectrum. And it goes back to even as an example, uh, my teaching, like I never go into rate my prof. And the reason mm-hmm. being is, I, I mean, and I, I've been told that my ratings are okay or good, but I don't need to know because there's probably a rating in there that's not so good. Somebody who didn't do well in my class, who never showed up. But the idea is that instead of trying to do a one size fits all to say, this is what you should do. All I say is what aligns to you? And it's a spectrum because some people who may be more introverted will be like, oh man, how do I get out there and build these relationships? Because I just don't feel comfortable. Well, what works for you? And then the person who's just always out there going like, yeah, this is, but, and they're very genuine about it. Well, their pathway is different. I guess the best way for me to also describe it is if you and I were, you know, in this, like I said, uh, building this relationship and, and going out, I again, I, I always use analogies and stories, but if you and I went to go buy a suit and, you know, both of us are looking to get a professional business suit and we walk into a store and the store has many suits but they're all 52 shorts. Now, I could wear a 52 short. I'm six feet tall and I'm a 42 regular, but you know, the sleeves are going to come up to my uh, mid uh, arm and the uh, trousers will come to shin level and it'll be a double breasted coat. For you, the sleeves (laughs) will be really long. The trousers will be too long and whatnot, but you know what? You could wear it. I could wear it. Instead of a off the rack solution, I always say, let's have a tailored solution. So anytime I meet somebody, whether it's for the first time or whatnot, I always say, okay, let's look at the best opportunity for you and build from your foundation as opposed to what is out there as advice or insights. I want to work with you in the best possible way. Let's look at your strengths and build off of that. Mm, Because there is no one size fits all Mm -mm. advice for everybody. Yeah. Definitely. So how would you recommend, I guess, 20-somethings go about discovering their tailored solution then? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Part of it is, again, the five core elements piece uh, is really start to understand what makes up your foundation. That's one. I also, in my class, make every single student write a personal statement. And my students say it's one of the toughest things they've been asked to do. Because I don't want it to be a running resume, but if you and I met for the first time, how are you going to describe yourself? So those are two things that I think uh, can support and help. But then it's also about looking for opportunities and being open to opportunities as they emerge and focusing on it but from your perspective. And I think I appreciated what you said earlier about how you were thinking of accounting, but then when you tested it or tried it out, it wasn't the right fit for you. And I applaud you for saying, you know what, it's not the right fit for me. And then saying, okay, but what is the right fit? Okay. Uh, I've had those conversations, but those conversations, the people came to me because they know I would never judge them. And they could feel comfortable to say, Sam, I don't, and I've had that conversation where one of my students was literally a semester away from graduating with accounting. Mm-hmm. And she sat down and she said, I know what I don't want. I don't want accounting, but what do you think? And I said, no, no. So how do you feel? And she goes, well, marketing is something I think I would really enjoy. 
And I'm saying, okay. And this is where I ask questions. I said, but what's holding you back from that? She goes, well, everybody is saying this. I said, but what is your voice saying? She goes, it's marketing. And she said, but it means I got to stay an extra year to do these courses. And I said, okay, are you comfortable with staying an extra year? She goes, absolutely. I said, okay, uh, what options and opportunities? How can I support you? What can I do to help in this journey? And then she wound up leaving accounting, staying an extra year, doing accounting. And her growth has just accelerated because she picked an authentic pathway. Mm. And I think that's critical is, again, I think that that word, an authentic pathway is something that's really important for young people to start working towards. Now, I realize one thing I want to share is this idea and concept of the fork in the road. You're in your 20s. You're going to come across a fork in the road. And the fork in the road is where you come to a point where you have to make a decision. And you've done this, You've whether I go into accounting or not. Now, I have a lot of conversations and discussions with people in the fork in the road because they're stuck. They're not sure which direction to go. And the idea is that you're worried about making the wrong pathway. You're making a mistake. Mm -hmm. What I've often said is inaction is the worst thing to do. You're going to have to step forward. Now, this is not an Indiana Jones movie where you st- where you take your first step and you're going to fall to your death. It's the wrong step. Mm. But here's what happens. People start walking and they, they make a decision and they go down a pathway, but they turn around and they walk backwards looking at the point they left on questioning whether I did the right thing or not, instead of mm-hmm. understanding the direction you're going to go. So, for example, I've had a conversation with someone who's interested in accounting and entrepreneurship. And they were trying to say, well, I want to be an entrepreneur, but accounting is something that will support me. I said, okay. And they, and they weren't sure which direction. What they don't realize is if they became an accountant, because they're walking backwards, looking at the point they left and whether they made the right decision or not, they don't realize the path is actually curved and it's going to intersect and they will be an entrepreneur down the road. And if you're an accountant, oh my gosh, like to have an accounting background and to be an entrepreneur, whether it's unrelated to accounting, you're able to understand the books. So mm-hmm. the, don't fear the fork in the road. Logically look at the, the two different pathways and don't live in regret. Um, instead, embrace the journey that you're going to go on as opposed to what you've lost. In other words, mm-hmm appreciate what you gain as opposed to focusing on what you've just lost. And I had this happen to me in the past where I was in an amazing job in road safety. And when I transitioned out of that role, the four or five different police forces pursued me, not to arrest me, but to actually have them join, have me join them. And they were going to fast track my application. They said, no, we really want you in. And I didn't take advantage of it, but rather than sitting there saying, what did I lose by not becoming a police officer? I look at what did I gain by pursuing these other journeys and the people I've met, the things I've gotten to do. It's been an amazing ride, but I never want to dwell. And Mm -hmm. I always say fear stands for forget everything about regrets. Love that. Yeah. That resonates with me 100% right now. Actually, I spent the past month and a half feeling 
a lot of doubt, a lot of fear, a lot of decision paralysis. And as a result of me analyzing these three, four, five different possible paths I could take post-graduation, I was taking almost zero action. (laughs) And it's been really paralyzing. Um, But in the past two weeks, I just started taking more action and just you know, trying things and some things like did not work, got a lot of rejections, that's for sure. Um, but I think just in this process, you just learn a lot about yourself. And then that kind of guides you in the right direction mm-hmm. eventually. And actually, I want to ask you, do you think there is such a thing as a right direction? Mm-hmm. I think you create the right direction. The more you understand about who you are, it becomes more obvious and clear. The way I would also look at it is, Think of your life as a jigsaw puzzle. And if I came and dropped a 5,000-piece jigsaw puzzle on your table, but I took the cover of the box away, what are you building? You have no idea. The box cover is your completed life. The puzzle is your life. Now, what many 20-year-olds would love to do, and actually even people in organizations I consult with, they want to take the entire 5,000 pieces and throw it way up in the air and When it lands, they hope that it just bounces into place and your life is there before you. Yeah. But Meg, life and puzzles don't work that way. You're going to have to build this piece by piece, section by section. So now you start sifting through and maybe you find chimney, window, and a door. And you're like, I think there's a house here. So you start pulling the pieces because there's other pieces that now resonate that look like a house. So you pull these pieces and you start building this house. Well, halfway through building the house and you turn a piece over... Maybe you find a porthole and you're like, wait, I think that's part of a ship. And wait, I think that's part of the mast. And I think this is the anchor. The house is unfinished. And now you're building a ship. Halfway through building the ship, you turn a piece over. Now you find a piece of a car and other pieces of a car. The house isn't done. The ship's not done. Now you're building a car. Your life may seem like it's in disarray because you're building, moving from one to another, but nothing is complete. Now, I've always told those that I mentor, coach, instead of trying to solve your life puzzle, what you really need to do is find that single piece that connects the sections together. And that could be uh, a single individual. It could be an experience. It could be a job opportunity. But that single piece is, is what you're looking for. So instead of trying to solve the life puzzle, Your objective should be trying to find that piece that connects. If you've ever built a jigsaw puzzle and you find that one piece, it joins two large sections together, that one piece, that's what you should be focusing on. Mm. And what if I was to say, okay, so the way I've described it, if you just sit back and say, okay, then you know what? Things are just going to happen. That's irresponsible. Mm -hmm. But the flip side is you can't solve your life puzzle. I, at my age, still have not solved my life puzzle. But if you look for those connecting pieces, that significant piece that you need to find in the people, the stories, and experiences, it helps to draw the sections to make more sense. That's a really great analogy. I'm definitely going to remember that and share that with my friends. I think I also want to add to the analogy, something that I thought of, is relating to the thing you said about not having regrets. Mm -hmm. And it's that sometimes something will happen and then you'll want to push it back and pretend it never happened. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's becomes a forgotten puzzle piece. Right. Mm -hmm. But 
eventually maybe you'll find some linking pieces and that forgotten puzzle piece will end up fitting the picture perfectly. And you'll be like, oh, wow, that experience was something that I wanted to let go of. And Mm -hmm. it was actually a regret of mine. And then now you realize that this regret actually fits in and makes sense for this point in your life. So yeah, that's something that I want to add to the analogy. Perfect. No, true. And there is actually another analogy that I just want to share with you that can also be important for your for your listeners is, you know, a single piece of a jigsaw puzzle is what people feel like. They feel like mm-hmm. they, they're not sure where they fit in or, or how they are, whatever, but they're, it's ordinary. If I give that one piece of a jigsaw puzzle to you, there's not much you can do with one piece. That's what you feel like. Yeah. And I always tell people that's ordinary, but before your eyes, magically, I'm going to make it extraordinary. Because instead of focusing on the one piece, focus on the source where it comes from. And if I was to give you a piece of my puzzle, unfortunately, my puzzle will be permanently incomplete without you. Do you realize mm-hmm. how important you now are in order for me to complete my life puzzle? I need you. And it's interesting because when I do this in, in person or whatever, I can actually physically see the transformation on a person's face. They're wow. like, wow. Because oftentimes we go through life in autopilot and mm-hmm. we don't feel that we have any significance. But once I share with them that, listen, Meg, if I give you a piece of my jigsaw puzzle, my puzzle is now incomplete without you. And there's this mm-hmm. substance that emerges. And I've given about 5,000 pieces to date to remind people how important they are. And what's beautiful is people have shared with me that it's taped to their mirror and it reminds them every morning that someone says that they matter. It's in a curio box. It's in their wallet. And when I meet them at an event, they pull it out and say, look, I still have your puzzle piece. It's traveled around the world. They say, nope, I've taken it with me when I travel because, uh, again, it reminds me of how important those relationships and that connection is. Or... They come frantically looking for me saying, Sam, I can't find a puzzle piece. I need another one because I feel like I'm disconnected now. So it's a simple analogy, but so much purpose and strength in it to remind people how important they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's incredible. I think I had to take a moment to pause and really digest that. That's really, really powerful because the thing with autopilot, a lot of us go through life not Mm -hmm. thinking about like, why are we doing this, right? Like, what what is the purpose behind all of this besides just doing what I'm supposed to do, right? But when you, you know, pull out a puzzle piece, you, you're reminded like, okay, this is why I'm doing mm-hmm. this and this is why I matter. Mm-hmm. And that's incredibly empowering. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing. Um, I would love to go back a little bit mm-hmm. to the story of you working in that job after graduation. How did you actually go from that point to the point where you are now? And Mm -hmm. what were some of the biggest pivotal moments in your journey? Well, and I think one of the pivotal moments very early was realizing and understanding this is not the final destination. This is just one step of many that I have to go through. And it was at that point I realized that somewhere along the way, I need to gain valuable experience, but I want to go back in the future and give back so students don't have to go through what I went through. And from there, I did retail for a year. And again, it's like the 52 short suit. I could wear it, but it just wasn't me. Then I went into ICBC claims for six and a half years. I could do it, but it's not me, the 52 short. And then when I got into the, the job in road safety, oh my gosh, I now have a tailored suit. 
And then from there, I jumped to working on the Olympic Bid Committee, which was the most amazing project because we got to host the Winter Olympics in Vancouver. And the fact that when the games were here, I was one of those individuals that worked to get the games here. And then to get to SFU was almost like something I had always shared that I need to go back to SFU so that I can help students and young people so they don't have to go through what I went through. And then through that process, and it's been 17 years now and over 5,000 conversations, I went and I co-founded Gratis One, which was a nonprofit to help young people in life and career in other schools. And we became very successful, but we couldn't go Canada-wide. And then we were able to merge with the League of Innovators. So now Gratis One doesn't exist any longer, but now... Uh, the model or it's integrated into the League of Innovators and we've gone nationwide. But the whole emphasis and idea, and I would say my purpose in life is to share what's been given to me. And this is why I say I don't live in regret because I think I would have had to have gone through every single one of these obstacles in order to make me realize I need to go back. And my purpose is how do I support the journey of the young person so that their journey is not as bumpy as mine. It's going to be bumpy, but you're not going to have the same processes that I went through if I have anything to do with this. That's incredibly inspiring that you've like found your purpose mm-hmm. and now you're living by that. Um, would finding like our core strengths, would that tie into us finding our purpose as mm-hmm. 20-something-year-olds as well? Definitely. Uh, and it won't be now. It'll be down the road. But again, it it goes back to that word purpose. And I think what happens is we use the word passion too casually. And people say, oh, you know, Meg, what's your your passion? Find your passion and you'll go and accomplish many things. I've always said passion is an igniter. Passion cannot be sustained. But what it ignites is your purpose. And having the five core elements and being reflective and journaling and realizing those experiences that you have guide you to somewhere it's just going to happen where you are now all of a sudden going to discover what your purpose is. And for me, it was probably around the age of 35 when I suddenly first landed something that was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. And the thing is when you hit five out of five or you hit that purpose piece, I know people have said, well, you know, it's easy to say that you, you know, won't work a day in your life. I have no idea where, where work starts and where pleasure ends. Like, um, you know, it's an amazing place to be where, you know, technically uh, doing a podcast technically is work, but having this conversation with you, it doesn't feel like work at all. Um, Mm -hmm. Sitting there talking to someone who's interested in, Wanting to move forward and saying, look, I'm, I really need some help to offer some clarity in what direction I go. or So I'm not going to tell them. Mm. Now that's work, but it doesn't feel like work. Mm. You know, That's incredible. Yeah. I resonate a lot with that with my podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when I tell people that I spend basically after doing schoolwork and the work I was doing last year at my internship, I just do my podcast for hours and they say, wow, like, don't you ever take a break? But to me, this feels like play, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that ties into my passion. Not sure if I've really found my purpose yet. So yeah. I guess my next question for you is, 
how do you know when it's your purpose or do you, do you just not know? Do you just do it? No, I think when it suddenly shifts from work to fulfillment and flow, mm. you've now hit purpose and mm. it just clicks because now all of a sudden you go in a direction. It The way I would best describe it as well is uh, think of it this way. There's a corner store and Starbucks. Beautiful day today in Vancouver. You need to go buy a pair of flip-flops. Now, the corner store, they sell f- uh, you know food, coffee, lottery tickets, ATM, fried chicken, hardware. Mm. Starbucks. Would you go to Starbucks to buy a pair of flip-flops? No. Because we know that what they sell is tea, coffee, food-related items. The corner store may sell that, the flip-flops. Now... What we should be guiding towards, and this goes back to purpose, is becoming the Starbucks, becoming that Mm. solid brand that people know about. Now, here's what people might say. But if I'm not that corner store, don't I have so much that I can offer that it's available to many people? I'm like, but here's the thing. People don't know what you can offer because it's Mm. diluted. And there was a really good example where if you were to – Uh, Look at a decathlon. Decathlon in the Olympics are 10 events. And Mm -hmm. specialization in each one of those sports, the decathlon member is a generalist, but they Mm -hmm. are not good at any one of those things. So the idea is what you really want your brand and your presence to become is solid in a particular area. So there is many times I don't even put a request out. The, The speaking opportunities or contract work comes to me because people know what you're capable of because it's your purpose. And I think that's the easiest way to describe purpose is instead of being the corner store, you have to start building your personal brand and then that will lead you to purpose and fulfillment. That's amazing. I think when we're young, we're very much the corner store. Mm -hmm. We're doing a little bit of everything, but eventually we do find that set path. And then when we go down that, that's truly the fulfillment. And Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, when you said that with my podcast, I actually really do feel like the full fulfillment whenever I'm doing this, like this conversation with you obviously does not feel like work. And it's just incredible to be having this conversation. So thanks for sharing so much. And just want to wrap up this conversation now with one last question. Mm -hmm. If you could say one phrase or one sentence to your 20 year old self or whoever's listening to this right now, what would that be? What would be the one piece that you want to leave them with? Right. I think it's a, it's a, it's very complicated because I think we've just spent over an hour on all of these insights, but mm-hmm. part of it is I would say it's not about what it's about who it's not about what you're going to do. It's about who you are Because once you really capture who you are, what you're going to do starts lining up the way it should. Mm -hmm. Don't feel compelled, over-anxious. Don't feel like you're lost. And don't feel that people around you have it figured out and you don't. Because there's this nervous energy that happens because we think that the people around us are, are having it all sorted out and I'm left out of it. No, majority of the people, even if they think they know what they want, until you find out who you are, it's really hard to figure out the direction you want to go. So figure out who you are, and then the pathway starts to emerge. 
And that's where you bring your board of advisors, the champions enablers, doing the five core elements, the, the personal journal, uh, the journaling and building that personal brand. Anything you can do at this point is going to accelerate your journey and so that you become the journey itself. And don't worry about the final destination. The journey is the most beautiful part. Amazing. Honestly, everything that was said in this podcast is stuff that I really, really needed to hear at this time. And I'm sure that all our listeners really appreciate everything that you shared and gained a lot out of it. So thank you so much again, Sam, for joining me today. And would you be able to share where our listeners can check out your work and find you online? Sure. Uh, So you can always pop into my website, www.sam-thiara.com. So there's a multitude of blog posts there that's on personal and professional development. LinkedIn uh, is always available and you can always catch me on Instagram and Twitter as well. So all of the different channels. Perfect. And I'll link all that down in the description as well. So that's it for today's conversation. Thanks for listening and thanks for joining me again. Thank you. Bye everyone. Bye-bye. guys so much for tuning into this conversation i hope it really encouraged a lot of introspection as you guys ponder on all these questions and topics that sam and i talked upon in this conversation it certainly got me to self-reflect a lot and to be honest a lot of the things that were mentioned here were things that i really 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 needed to hear in my current state in my life where i'm graduating soon and i'm faced with a crossroads with my career and my direction and just facing a mini quarter life crisis and asking deeper questions like who am I what is my why why am I doing all of this what are my strengths and really what do I want to focus on in my life and how do I find fulfillment and so these are all things that I believe that 20 something should always constantly be reflecting and asking yourselves and honestly I think having that self-awareness and asking yourself the hard questions and reflecting is really something that, you know, first of all, it doesn't cost you anything to do that. All it takes is maybe even five or 10 minutes a day to do some reflective journaling, some self-awareness, but it can really, really change the direction of your life for the better, which is why I really, really resonated with today's conversation with Sam. And so thank you guys for tuning into that. And Sam is an incredible person. Um, He is a professor at SFU. And as mentioned, he has run multiple businesses. He's a coach, educator, mentor, published author, speaker, and I will link his website as well as his Instagram handle and where you can find him down in the description. So make sure to check out Sam and definitely don't hesitate to reach out to him on his channels. He is the most incredible mentor ever and I am so grateful to have this connection with him after seeing him as a keynote and now I can personally call him my mentor and that is an incredible thing. Anyways, Now I will loop into some of my final updates and reflections for this season ending. And this is um, very timely because the season is ending, season three is ending. And also my final uh, semester at university is ending. So I'll be graduating in June of this year. Right now it is almost the end of March 2021. In fact, it's March 31st and I'm just finishing up my last few courses and it feels incredibly, incredibly surreal. If you've been staying in touch with kind of my updates as of the last few weeks, you would have known that like for the past while, I have been going through a bit of a harder time, going through a lot of like stress with like, school and like my career crisis and just some drama with my family and investing mistakes. Like you can hear all of that in episode 34. That's where I spill all the stuff that's been happening. But I'm just really happy to kind of give the update now that 
things are looking a lot better. In fact, the way I want to describe it is just a few weeks ago, I think, actually, no, just over a week ago, this one morning, I just woke up and I suddenly felt like the cloud was gone. You know, like before that, um, weeks and weeks in most of February and March, unfortunately, I would wake up with an insane feeling of like fleeting anxiety, feel like I don't want to get up, feel like I don't want to deal with the world, feel like everything's tumbling down. And I actually lost my passion for many things that I typically enjoyed. I couldn't find myself feeling like myself at all whatsoever. But just over a week ago, I just woke up this one morning and I just suddenly felt like myself again. I, I don't really know how to explain it, but it just, it literally felt like there were clouds and all of a sudden I woke up and it was like sunshine again, like the skies were clear and I finally feel like myself and I haven't felt like this since like January and it's crazy and honestly, I think part of it is just kind of finally internalizing all the incredible advice and insights and thoughts that me and my friends have been like just chatting about because I'm pretty open about my struggles and so I chat about this with my friends like on phone calls and through group chats and all of that and I've just been receiving so much like I guess love support advice and so many different perspectives to like kind of bring me through this time and get me through my own I guess mental roadblocks and I think perhaps I finally internalized all of that and right now I just finally feel like myself and I feel like everything is so much better and in hindsight I'm really grateful to have gone through that rough patch of time and you know it was it's costly too you guys know I lost a lot of money as well and it was detrimental to my mental health but still I'm grateful to have gone through that because first of all I felt so much empathy so much empathy I've never felt this level of anxiety in my life and now I have all this empathy for people who actually live with anxiety disorder and have like high functioning anxiety and just go through anxiety on their day to day i finally know what that feels like and i just have so much empathy and second of all going through this period taught me so much about myself so so much and i'm not going to get into all of that here because this could be a podcast episode on its own but yeah listen to episode 34 that's where i reflected a lot but now a few weeks after um, recording episode 34 i can look at it from an even more objective standpoint and think wow I'm so glad that I went through that because holy shit, sometimes, you know, in the words of Sam, right? I think roadblocks are like the stepping stones to your success or something like that. I I think I butchered that quote, but it's basically saying that you kind of have to sometimes go through hard times in order to grow, right? Like failures are the stepping stones to like success, right? Or something like that. But I think the point is that not everything will be sunshine and roses and flowers and rainbows forever and ever. I think I've been riding a wave of happiness ever since the beginning of 2020 and even like second half of 2019 all the way through to beginning of 2021. And so I was just so used to feeling so happy, so carefree, so like aligned and all of a sudden, you know, unexpected things happen and sometimes they were within my control and, you know, you got to learn to deal with that, right? And I'm rambling now, but I guess the point is hard times are inevitable in life. And sometimes you got to choose your suffering, right? Because I also read somewhere and I think it might have been from a video, but sometimes it's like life is about suffering. No matter what path you choose, you as a human being, you will find reasons why it is suffering. And, you know, just an example of this, right? Like the hedonic treadmill. We are constantly searching for the next level of happiness. Like you earn a certain amount of income or you get to a certain level with your lifestyle and all of a sudden you're chasing for the next level of happiness. And I realized like I was just going through so much 
tough time because I was so used to being like so happy and just losing that amount and this family drama and all this stress it was just like it felt like I was being robbed of my happiness that's exactly why I was feeling so so down and I also felt such a big blow to my self-worth right but you know these kinds of experiences are so good for building self-awareness for learning more about yourself for learning how to make decisions and why I make certain decisions and what to do moving forward I hope this makes sense but I just wanted to give that mini reflection because honestly I'm very grateful and just in terms of my life in general graduation is coming up it is very very exciting for me i am very 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 happy to say that today actually i just got an offer for a job after grad and i no longer feel the job search stress that y'all probably sense me feeling in episode 35 where i chat with vivian about job search but nonetheless um i just want to remind you that like if you are still going through that process don't feel like you're behind don't feel like oh no like meg got a job now what's wrong with me don't feel like that um this process honestly you just need one yes and that's what i want to that's what really got me through you just need one yes you will keep applying you will keep refining your approach keep building meaningful connections but at the end of the day one yes is all you need as long as you just apply to things that you genuinely want and sometimes the process will take two weeks two months or even a year I know someone who spent an entire year looking for jobs and now she is in a job that she loves. And so I guess I just want to say that even though I'm happy to be celebrating that the stress is over for me, I just want to offer you my like empathy and say that like don't worry, it will happen for you as well sooner or later. Hard work always pays off. That's another thing I realized. Hard work, determination, just just don't give up. I know I'm being so cheesy right now, but just want to say that. And so I'm in a pretty good mood, I think. For these coming weeks, I just want to finish off my final semester of school ever, literally ever, my final few classes at Sauter. I want to finish them off with a bang, super strong, wrap up all my big group projects, and just return to my healthy habits, eat well, eat healthy, continue exercising, drink lots of H2O, go out for some sunshine, the weather has been nice lately, and journal. Heck, I haven't journaled in a while because just so many events have been happening and i just have so much to journal down and so much to reflect on so i'm gonna journal oh yeah other random fun thing i went skiing last weekend it was it was so random but i went skiing up cypress mountain had a blast wiped out a few times but totally had a blast and i think at this point in time i'm just ready for more adventure i'm, I'm ready to get out of my house more and just explore obviously being covid safe but i think it's time to really give myself the credit for uh, the hard work that i've been going through and enjoy that more but find a balance you know anyways i think i am the queen of rambling so i guess that's it for my little update here thank you guys so much for listening if you genuinely stuck through and listened to all of that i appreciate you very much and if you want to stay in touch with our podcast i am definitely going to be doing season four it's just a matter of when and so make sure to give us a follow on instagram at i'm in my 20s i'm always updating things there and sharing great resources and feel free to reach out and say hi to me i love meeting new friends and um yeah making new friends and meeting new people so say hi don't be a stranger anyways thanks for listening guys and i'm signing off for now this is meg signing off for now i'll catch you guys after i graduate bye